You're listening to a Sovereign Hope Church podcast with pastor and teaching elder Adam Vinson. Good morning, everybody. Hear me all right? Good. Okay. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, if I don't know you, I'm Marcus. I'm one of the elders here um, at Sovereign Hope and um, just excited to have the opportunity to teach this morning. Um, it's been a while. Not sure how long it's been, but uh, I think it was back in the summer. Um, but, um, but yeah, um, typically you'll see me handling the, the prayer time here. Um, but yeah, just thankful for the opportunity to, to teach. Um, glad to have Adam and the rest of the family back this morning. And also, uh, thankful just to give him, uh, one additional, uh, week to, to rest up and, and get back to, uh, to feeling a hundred percent. Cool. Okay. We're all good. All right. Uh, so yeah, so last week, um, we got to hear from, uh, Tyson. He taught through, uh, Colossians three on the topic of unity with Jesus. Um, and his summary sentence was, since Christ is the source of our salvation, the believer has been given new identity, mentality, assurance, and future through their union with him. Um, and as, as he was teaching and as he really got to point number two, uh, the truth that the believers have a new uh, mentality, it reminded me of what I've been uh, learning in James. And I was jotting down some notes and um, thought that it could be a good opportunity to kind of do a yes and, like a part two um, to what, what Tyson taught us last week. Um, under this point, um, Paul uh, instructed us as, as believers, those that are united with Christ, to set our minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on earth. And Tyson taught us that this section includes a command to obey. Um, to set our minds, um, he taught us that in this if that if this union is true and that we are united with Christ in reality right now, then it doesn't make sense that we set our hearts and our minds uh, with Him, and, and that it makes sense for us to set our minds on on Him and not on the things of this earth. Um, he taught us that uh, setting our minds on what's above also includes a promise indirectly. Um, but in Matthew six thirty three, um, it says that if we are not anxious, if we do seek the kingdom of God first, then all of these things, the things of earth, would be given to us. Um, he taught us that the setting of our mind is continual. It's not a set it and forget it. It's not a one-time act, but it's a moment-to-moment decision to set our minds on the things that are above. Um, he taught us to consider ourselves dead to sin and to consider ourselves a citizen of heaven. And he gave us these three words. Uh, he really gave us the the fifth grade version, which which I needed. Uh, seek, set, and and seated. Uh, he said that if we seek the things that are above, we can set our minds on the things that are above, and we can because Christ is seated um, with with the Lord. Um, so I wanted to do this uh, part two this morning to take a look at James chapter two, uh, verses fourteen through twenty six, and see how this setting of the mind um, on things above uh, results in action, uh, particularly. Um, this, this, um, how James starts out in chapter, in his section in chapter two, it's a, he says, what good is it? Um, and so I want us to take a look today at a very practical, um, look at this, this chapter that, uh, Tyson taught us and go a step further and say, if we are going to set our minds on something that's above, if we're going to continually do that, then what good should come of that? What good is it to put in that work? I want to take a look at how does that play out? Um, for me on a, normal Thursday in, in February where I'm just trying to get to the weekend. Uh, we're trying to get to 
summer as a family. Um, I'm trying to keep up with emails, texts, calls. People are pinging me. Um, I've got customer service tickets, um, project timelines to keep, um, customer appointments. Uh, the car window won't roll up, and my kid's like wrapped up in a blanket in the back because it's freezing outside. Like All of this stuff that's happening... Um, there's sick parents, there's sick kids, you guys are sick, soccer on Saturday, we've got to go to church. All of this whirlwind of life happening, how do we set our minds on the things that are above? And then also, what good is it? Um, so let's uh, go, if you've got a Bible, let's turn to James um, chapter 2, verses 14 through 26, and see what God has for us this morning. Um, I'm going to pray, and then we'll read it together. Um, Father, I pray that as we um, dig into your word uh, this morning, that you will um, just guide our time, that you'll guide me, um, that you'll bring to mind the things that uh, you know that we as a group need to hear, um, that you'll help us to uh, live out our faith. You'll help our faith to be uh, not only in our heads, but um, visible, uh, lived out in a practical way, um, both for our salvation and, and for the care of your people. Uh, we love you and ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. So uh, I'll read over um, these, these verses for us, and then we can uh, dig in. So uh, chapter 2, verse 14 says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is it? What good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works, and the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness, and he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and set them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also uh, faith apart from works is dead. So as we, uh, just as an introduction to this this chapter, uh, in this section, we find James kind of engaged in a debate. Um, it's not a debate with a physical person, but uh, in a debate with an idea, with a perception. Um, and in, in a debate, there are two sides. There's the affirmative side, and there's the negative side. So if the debate is faith without works is dead, James takes the affirmative side, that genuine faith results in works that can be seen visibly. So want to read uh, Luke chapter 5, 17 through 20, just, just to see what we're talking about. Um, this is where uh, it says, one of, on one of those days, he was, as Jesus was teaching, the Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there, who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with them to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed um, a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven. So uh, Jesus was able to see their faith. Um, it wasn't something that was in their head. It wasn't just something that was in their heart, but it was 
resulting in, a, in an action that was visible. Um, in his book, Radically Whole, uh, David Gibson says it like this. He says, faith climbs stairs, ties ropes, bends knees. Faith sweats, sends emails, cooks meals, plants churches, builds hospitals, flies to the other side of the world, and spends itself in a servant form. That is what saving faith in the Lord Jesus means. Uh, so our summary sentence today, it says, A mind regularly set on what is above will ensure that our faith does not reside there only in our minds, but is also seen visibly through our obedience and sacrificial acts of love and compassion. Okay. Uh, so our first point in, in chapters, uh, in verses 14 through 17, um, we're going to uh, take a look at you know, what's here in, in this first section. Um, so in this section, James asks two rhetorical questions to the negative or the other side of the debate. In verse 14 and in 16, he says, What good is it for the purpose of, of establishing that faith is good for two purposes? In verse 14 and 16, James asks, What good is it? He's trying to establish that faith is good for two purposes. So first, faith is good for salvation. So he asks, he follows up that rhetorical question with, can that faith save him? And second, faith is good for fueling compassionate care of others. So what good is a faith that leaves the needs of the poorly clothed and hungry unmet? James is establishing his affirmative position that faith's purposes, salvation and works are inseparable and that any claim of a faith lacking one of these two actually lacks both. And in verse 14, he says, if someone says... So James does not say that this person actually has faith, but that he claims to have it. Um, one of the commentaries said, the theological orthodoxy of such a person's faith is not the question. The issue is that he has no works. So the verse describes someone who continually lacks evidence to support the claim of faith he routinely makes. Um, so this person believes, this person knows the truth. Um, this person could accurately describe what it means to have faith, but their life continually lacks evidence of the support of that claim because it's absent of work. Uh, this blessing that's here, go in peace and be warmed and filled, was a common prayer that was memorized um, and, and was, was said as, as uh, people were seen in need. Uh, James implies that saying these words aloud was the extent of the help that a faith by itself or, or the negative side of the argument individual was willing to provide. Um, one of the, the commentaries said, speech like this is a way of using our mouths to recognize a need, but not using our resources to solve it. Uh, we think somehow, like this person in verse 16, that if we pronounce a kind of verbal blessing on someone, it might cover our indifference to their plight. So that's a little bit of what's going on here um, in, in this passage. And so um, what does it now mean for us to, to act on what we know, to, to set our minds um, on the things that are, that are above um, related to this passage here. Um, in his book, uh, Everyday Holiness, uh, Josh Moody says, the person who acts contra in contradiction to what he knows doesn't really know it. So the flip side of that is act on what you know, right? So um, was just trying to think through, like, what's a good um, definition of what it means to be alive? Um, thankfully, I uh, have a third grader who's doing some third grade science, and, and that's what they're actually learning. And so there's a definition, of, and there's characteristics of things that are alive. Things that are alive breathe. Living things breathe in what was exhaled by another. So if you think of plants, they're breathing in what we exhale, and then the other way around. We breathe in what animals exhale. Uh, I don't know how that works with underwater plants, though. I don't know if they breathe oxygen or not. Maybe we can... Uh, 
figure that out. But at least here on land, we're breathing in what each other exhales. And so um, in a similar way, if our faith is alive, we're breathing in what God has exhaled, right? All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So we're breathing in the scripture and allowing it to have an effect on our lives, to change our behavior, to teach us, to help us to learn, uh, to correct our behaviors and to train us in, in, in how to follow the Lord. Uh, living things eat, they consume and they're nourished. In, um, in Deuteronomy 8, it says that man does not live on bread alone, but man lives by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. So as God is speaking this this word to us as we, we are um, take as, as God is pouring out his word, we're taking it in, we're craving it and we're hungry and we're um, nourishing um, ourselves. So not only do, do living things uh, intake by breathing and eating, but they also um, use that to, uh, to move and to grow. There's a uh, exerting of energy that happens by things that are alive. Um, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. There's a um, a using up of what's coming in. It's not just held inside. Um, and living things also reproduce. Um, so living things reproduce themselves for future generations. Should be the same of our faith as well, right? Um, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled and upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself us, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and purify us, and purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. That's Titus uh, chapter two. Um, and as I was uh, just thinking through, like, what does it mean to be alive? Just so encouraged uh, by our body here, um, and just wanted to share some examples. So uh, cooking meals, visiting the sick, uh, the support for Coweta Pregnancy Center is um, so strong here, both attending the galas, giving. I've been a part of seeing people help people move. Uh, Adam mentioned um, people from our church going across to uh, partner with Come Away Ministries. There's so many families here who are partnering children. Um, there's uh, praying for others, texts of encouragement, uh, going caroling to Miss uh, Carolyn's house and Nadine's house, hospitality, speaking truth and love, holding your brothers and sisters accountable, uh, building this stage that we're standing on right now, hanging shelves, uh, filling up troughs for uh, baptism. There's people changing diapers next door right now. Um, just meeting with the youth and, and pouring into uh, the people here. Um, each and every one of these characteristics of living faith, we get to see um, day in, day out uh, here at this church, and just so thankful for that. Um, I think just as an additional encouragement, I think one of the things that, that came to my mind, uh, let me know if you need anything. It's kind of my uh, version of this this blessing that, that you see in, um, in this first section. Um, it's so easy for me to hear of a need or um, see someone on the realm who might post something and my response can be, uh, hey, let me know if you need anything. Uh, and there's this, like, I was just so convicted over that. There's, that's, there's no effort on my part, use of my brain, use of my eyes or ears to really, like, dig in and see, like, what can I do? Um, instead, it puts that um, back on the person who's in need to then think of, well, what do I need? So just want to encourage you, yes, we're doing it now, and then keep on doing it. Uh, be observant, be intentional, and just do it. Um, when you see a need, um, you, you don't need permission to um, meet it. 
just go drop something off, show up, and and love on the people here in this church. So just uh, as an encouragement there, um, keep on doing what you're doing. All right, uh, next section here, verses 18 and 19. <clears throat> uh, as a reminder, I'll read it since it's been a few minutes since we've, we've read it. It says, uh, but someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Uh, James continues here in this section to defend that affirmative position um, in the issue that faith without works is dead. Uh, it's important to clarify, James not, is not contrasting two types. I'm sorry, James is contrasting two types of faith, living and dead, not two types of salvation here. There's not a salvation with works and a salvation without works. He's just talking about two types of faith here. Let me say that again to be a little bit more clear. So there's not a salvation that you earn from works and a salvation that you earn from faith. We're saved by faith, but our faith, but there's two types of faith. Our faith uh, working out with works and our faith without it. So a living and a dead faith. Um, the faith that saves embraces the truth of the gospel and acts accordingly. Um, he's arguing that faith either does or does not have works. Faith without works is only a collection of theological statements absent of complete devotion with devotion to God. Uh, and then he starts to compare um, a faith absent of works with that of the demons to illustrate his points. Um, so the fallen angels or the demons, uh, they affirm the oneness of God, but they hate the truth and they hate God. Um, there are several um, examples uh, throughout scripture where Jesus is casting out demons and they are acknowledging who he is. Um, in Mark 1, 3, um, Jesus is casting out um, a, a demon from an unclean man in the synagogue, and the demon responds, I know who you are, the Holy One of God. In Mark 5, crying out with a loud voice, the demon said, What have you to do with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High God? And in Luke 4, um, the demon came out of the man crying, You are the Son of God. The, faith, the, the demons acknowledge um, the uh, existence of God and his oneness. <clears throat> and James is arguing that um, a faith without uh, works along with it um, is nothing more than a similar faith uh, than the demons have. So uh, let's look again at, at setting our mind um, on the Lord in, in this, this section. So there's a reference to um, Deuteronomy 6, uh, 4 and 5. This was a, a prayer that was uh, regularly associated by Jewish people and still is today. Um, they recite it like this. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And as for you, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. When Jesus is asked about the greatest commandment, he includes both. Uh, Deuteronomy 6 and he, um, both, both the passage from Deuteronomy 6 and he includes uh, Leviticus 19 as well. So he's bringing together uh, right belief in, in the Lord, but also um, as a second commandment, loving our neighbor um, as ourselves. He, he says it like this, teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? And he says to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second one is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law um, and the prophets. There's a setting our mind upward to the oneness of God and then acting upon that um, truth of that oneness, selflessly loving others. So there's a loving our neighbor as ourself that comes along with a belief in God that separates us 
from the, the, the type of faith that, that the demons have. All right, last section, live out your faith without qualification. I'll read this one again as well. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that the faith, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac at the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way was not Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the message and sent them out by another way. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Let's dig into the text a little bit here. In this final section, James will utilize two examples from Scripture to further prove his position that faith faith without works is dead. He uses these two individuals from the Old Testament whose faith was, a, was good for salvation and for the care of others. So start with Rahab. Uh, Rahab um, was in the city of Jericho. The spies came and she took in um, those, uh, those, those spies and um, acted kindly to, them, kindly to them. And it was based on what she had heard about the exodus and the splitting of the Red Sea. Um, she had heard about uh, the power of God and then that knowledge of God then caused her to confess God as supreme um, and, and powerful over all things. And she acknowledged him as her only hope. She knew that um, God was coming to, um, in judgment to destroy her city um, and that it was only by faith in him that, that she had hope. Um, she showed hospitality to the strangers at great risk to her and her family. The other that we, that we see in this uh, example is Abraham. His example is a little more subtle. So Abraham um, had a reputation for care and hospitality stemming from his hospitality to to angels. But more clear in this passage, though, is Abraham's um, obedience to the Lord uh, to sacrifice his son. And and it's in this piece of the passage here that we see um, obedience to God um, included in the description of what it means to have works. So we see... Um, in Abraham being obedient to the Lord, his faith uh, visibly as well. So works are not limited to acts of compassion, but based on the inclusion of this story, the sacrifice of Isaac, we extend uh, work to include all acts of obedience to God as well. Um, Like Rahab, Abraham acted on what he knew about God. He believed in the promises of God and in an act of faith obeyed God. Uh, Faith equals action in response to the revealed character of God without concern for consequence. In both cases, their faith was demonstrated by action, by putting everything that was dear to them on the line for the Lord and trusting it to him without qualification or reservation. They were supremely committed to the Lord, whatever the cost. So again, let's look at, like, at acting on what we know. Um, what good is it if we um, set our minds on, on the Lord? John MacArthur, in a quote, said, what, what we do reveals who we are. Uh, based on what we know from Tyson's sermon last week, in Christ is likely what Paul or James might answer to the question, who are you? Who are you? I'm in Christ. The examples of Rahab and Abraham include pictures and shadows of Jesus. Rahab, in, uh, in, in her story, ties a scarlet cord on her window, and there's just this imagery to the Passover. There's... Um, where the act of uh, faith of spreading blood on the doorpost saved the people from the wrath of God, her scarlet cord on the window saved her 
um, from the wrath of God. She trusted that those spies would um, pass over her window as they were um, executing God's judgment um, on the city. Uh, through Abraham's sacrifice of Isaac, God gives us a shadow of needing a substitute, and that his that his that, and that only his son, perfect and without sin, is suitable. Uh, we know from genealogy of of Jesus and Matthew that Rahab was spared from the wrath of God, and that um, she was the uh, mother of of Boaz, and um, she becomes she gets folded in to God's people. Abraham was called a friend of God, as opposed to those in James chapter four who desire a fellowship with the word, world, and God calls them enemies of God. So uh, what we leave behind is temporary, um, but what we get is Jesus. And in both of these cases, um, with Abraham and Rahab, living out their faith without consequence, they, get, they leave behind what is temporary, but get um, a relationship with, with Christ. So in both cases, their faith was demonstrated by action, uh, putting uh, everything that was dear to them on the line, trusting Jesus without qualification. Um, they were supremely committed to the Lord, whatever the cost. So for us, um, what, into what aspects of life does this mentality, this setting of our minds on things above extend? Um, it can and should extend into how we handle our money and how we view it, into our relationships, into our choices of hospitality, uh, into the things that we put into our mind, uh, the language we use, the food and, and drink that we eat, how we spend our time, um, how we pour into our family, choices that we make with our career, um, willingly putting ourselves or our safety at risk, um, our credibility. I thought of uh, Noah building this boat um, out in the middle of nowhere, and his, <laughs> his credibility was really um, put to the test there. Um, but all of these things are temporary. Jim Elliott says it like this. He says, this is, he is no fool who gives up that which he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In uh, a sermon I was listening to recently, I'll kind of end on this before we get into some application, but a um, sermon recently that, that Rob was, was teaching up at um, Red Oak, he said on, on the book of Mark, he said it like this. He said, if Jesus is who he said he is, if Jesus rose from the dead, if he satisfied God's wrath for our sins, if he went to the cross and met all the legal demands that were against us, if he did that because he is fully human, but also fully God, not born into sin that you and I are born into, he lived the righteous life and died the sacrificial death, and then he rose again in victory. If all that's true, then the most sane and logical and rational thing you can do is to submit your life to him and follow him and believe every word that he says and then obey it. The craziest thing you can do is to say, I believe those things about Jesus and then ignore it. And I think that sums up the argument that, um, that James is really trying to make here, that uh, what makes the most sense in the world is to set our minds above for the purpose of living out our faith and, and submitting our lives to the Lord. Uh, what makes no sense is hearing all of this truth and ignoring it and doing nothing with it. So let's take a look at a, a couple pieces of application before we, before we finish. So these three uh, are, are what um, came to mind. So embrace a daily warfare mentality over the setting of your mind. So unfortunately, our minds are not a set it and forget it. Um, we, have this pr- we have a problem of a, of a divided heart. Where we will, where while we are already in Christ, we're not yet absent of the sin nature that we have. Um, this thing here is is super helpful to me. There's a lot going on. It's kind of it's probably kind of small up here, but really it's this gap between what we know and what we do, and and this word of uh, of integrity kind of in the middle. So integrity is doing what we say we will do. 
But it's also, if you, use, if you think of it like uh, structural integrity, have you heard that before? It's uh, being whole and undivided, um, being without, um, without a weakness. Um, and so this integrity gap that, that exists between what we know and what we do is, is spanned and, and solved for by meditating on God's word. And there's some specific uh, verses that I put up here um, that include like a, um, an action and uh, a thinking and meditating. So Luke chapter 6 uh, talks about the treasures of our hearts producing good. It's what's coming in and what's going back out. 2 Corinthians 10 talks about setting our mind and engaging in the warfare, uh, taking thoughts captive, um, making every thought obedient to Christ. Um, Philippians 4 talks about setting our minds and thinking on what is true and admirable um, and putting into practice what, what we've learned. Um, this, this chapter here that we've been talking about today, seeking uh, in, in Colossians 3, seeking the things that are above, um, and in Romans 12 too, being transformed by, by, the, um, by the renewal of our minds. Um, it's this meditating on and thinking on that will help us go from uh, knowing only to um, acting on what we know. So going back to this, number two, uh, evaluate, plan, act, and be spontaneous. So um, I think that there's a a time where we can establish a time in our week to evaluate our own heart related to uh, our obedience to God's words and our care for others. Um, And there's a time I think that we can, as families and as individuals, plan and act. We get prayer lists shared with us um, every week, um, so we know what's going on. Uh, but there's a time that we can sit as families and, and be strategic and, and, and think through how might we um, care, uh, live this out and, and, and make our faith visible. Uh, but I think also build in um, the ability to be spontaneous. So um, just kind of a, a plug for um, committed giving and just giving here in general that we don't ask you to give a specific amount, um, but in your committed giving, incorporate the ability to be spontaneous so that um, what you're going to give um, can include um, a portion of, of your giving that's that's meant to give away to to quickly um, see a need and, and meet it. Um, I hope that makes sense. But I think being um, being intentional to uh, to have a plan and and, and um, while also being spontaneous. And then last, just have grace for yourself. So uh, this text isn't about how much or how often uh, you give, but um, or, or care meet needs. But instead, it's to um, teach us about the inclination um, of our hearts. Where do you stand in the debate? Is faith without works dead? Or would you say that um, uh, living faith has works that are visible? How is that playing out in your life? Um, What I don't want to happen is uh, an evaluation that says, oh man, I really felt led to stop. That guy had a flat tire, but I just drove past him am I saved? <laughs> that is not the, uh, that's not the point of all of this, but instead it's, um, for us to be able to, um, evaluate and, and, and live out the faith, uh, that James, uh, tells us here, um, is alive. Um, so that's, that's what I got. Hopefully that there is a, uh, a nugget of something in there that was helpful to you, to your family. Um, and I'll, I'll, uh, close this in prayer. Um, let's go to the Lord. God, we thank you that, um, you give us the opportunity to, to partner with you um, as you care for your people. Um, God, that you um, use us, uh, your family, uh, your, your church, um, to meet the needs of those that are, that are hungry, that, that are um, in need, 
Um, and I just pray, God, that as we uh, reflect on what we learned today through your word, as we reflect on uh, what was written um, by James, that you would help us to, um, number one, uh, start in our own minds, uh, that you would help us to be hungry and thirst, thirsty for your word, that you would help us to breathe it in. And then, uh, Father, that you would also help it to um, not remain there, help us to set our minds on what's above and um, help that that truth and that faith um, go out into the, the care of others that can be seen. Um, help us to be obedient um, without qualification. And God, I pray that you would use us to meet the needs of your people. Now, we love you and ask all these things in Christ's name. Amen. Great reminders this morning for sure. Um, I w- a couple things that I wrote down as Marcus was sharing. I said, faith does. That we're called to act on what we know. That what we do reveals who we are and whose we are. I love the gap between what we know and what we do. And I was thinking about how faith, our faith is transformative. And Tyson mentioned last week, he referenced Galatians 2. It says, for you have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer you who live, but Christ who lives in you. And the life you now live in the flesh, you live by faith in the Son of God who loved you and gave himself for you, that we are a new creation, that my faith is in someone who now lives in and through me, that it's no longer my life to be lived. And so my life should look different. It should be characterized by the one who's now living in and through me, that the Christian life, we're simply called to be the new creation that we now are because of Christ. It's not complicated. Um, our faith is shown through our works. True faith is never alone. It's always accompanied by works. I love the example that Marcus gave of our bodies and how God's created our bodies to function off of food and water. But I don't have to be told when I'm hungry or when I'm thirsty. I just get hungry because my body needs food. I get thirsty because I need something to drink. And you know what that turns into? It turns into action. I start making my way to the fridge. I start picking something up to drink because I'm just drawn. I'm hungry. I'm thirsty. I'm a new creation now. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And because of that, I have new desires and new cravings and new pursuits that drive me towards different actions that I don't have to be told to do because it's not me who's driving them. It's the spirit in me that's moving me toward to do those things, to be the person who talks to that person, who sends the email, who makes the meal, who travels over the oceans. Like it's, it's part of me now. It's in me because he is living in me. And so what a great analogy um, for us to actually bring that to life. And it is truly more simply than we like to complicate it and um, talk ourselves out of things and, um, and, and uh, at times compromise in areas where we shouldn't, in areas where it feels like I know I shouldn't, but I did. So thankful for that. And I was reminded of a, uh, a quote by C.T. Studd. He's a British missionary. He died at the age of 70 in the Congo. He said, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I am dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. 
That's the, the combination of us living out our faith in our life. Faith does. So thankful for that word uh, this morning, Marcus. I want to close us out with a word from Philippians chapter 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only is in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful and humbled that you would meet us here, that you would have your spirit take your word and to apply it into our hearts and minds, to remind us, encourage us, inspire us, and to draw us towards living out what we've trusted on, to make it evident in who we've believed upon, that Christ is our one that our faith rests in. And because of that, he has made us a new creation. Thank you for the privilege of being able to live our lives for his sake, for his name, for his renown. Father, please take this week ahead of us. Give us opportunities to show what is true about us, to draw people to you, to magnify your name, to glory in you. Lord, thank you again for our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sovereign Hope Church podcast. We trust that you've been encouraged by the word. For more information about our church, please visit our website at www.sovhope.org. Again, that's www.sovhope.org.